What's Inside the Black Box, a podcast for searchers and the ETA community to demystify being a CEO with debt requirements with your host, Tom McGee. Today, I'm catching up with Cindy Batchelor to talk about how she has approached starting up a new business after running Australia's largest business banking business. We'll talk to her about the new project, but also what CEOs and boards should be thinking about in choosing an SME banking partner. Cindy has led large banking teams in both small business and SME banking markets, including running NAB Business, Australia's largest business banking business, as the Executive General Manager for over four years. She's also worked internationally for a private bank in Myanmar to lead, build and transfer capability back to their local leaders. And more recently, Cindy was working with the Australian Red Cross as Deputy CEO. She's currently the Chair of Auto and General Insurance, which is also better known for its brands of Budget Direct, Compare the Market and iSelect. Cindy, it's great to catch up. Thank you for supporting the world of ETA with your reflections on some of your experiences. And as I mentioned, you've launched your own startup in the medical apparel space. Could you tell us more about that? Thanks, Tom, and it's um, great to be here. So, yeah, my current startup is called Spiritum, and Spiritum means breath in Latin, and it's a business of creating medical scrubs for women in the health industry and also a well-being arm, which is called Spiritum Wellbeing, which is really supporting women in health to look good and feel good while they do good. So I'm really excited to be involved in this. It's been running for a couple of years now, but really in earnest for the last 12 months. And my co-founder and business partner is actually a medical doctor. So what we bring to the business is our strength. So my business partner has the lived experience of being in the health industry, and I obviously bring quite an extensive business background. So you mentioned, obviously, Spiritum and, and sort of part of what it means, but where and why... Where did the name come from? We started to look at what the essence was of what we were trying to do. And for the scrubs that we're creating, we want them firstly to be breathable um, mm. because, again, you know, health professionals, they're in high stress situations and you find that you have perspiration and all those types of things. So breathability was the number one criteria. We also want them to be functional so that they're actually nice to wear and easy to wear and also fashionable so that when women... And anyone who wears our scrubs actually put them on. They feel great. They feel really good. And it's, you know, they bring their best version of themselves. So spiritum in Latin means breath. And so spiritum was born from that. Fantastic. And so where are you actually up with it today? Like you've talked about being 12 months in. Yeah. But what, like today, as you said, where are we at? So today, I'm really pleased. The last few weeks, we've actually had some significant movement forward. So we are in what we call pre-production at the moment. So we have five designs and we are creating 10 garments in one particular size. And that's in production right now. It's, it's the testing phase to make sure that before you go and produce volume, you actually get the design absolutely 100% right. So we are, we're there two weeks, I think, until I have those 
new scrubs in my hot little hands and then we will pull the trigger on the production of our first run which will include also a pre-sale through a kickstarter campaign so essentially a capital raise and then my business partner is kind of running the whole technology side of the business so the website's up shopify's in place and we are good to go to load product as soon as we get it. And there's a whole lot of other stuff kind of around that. But the most important thing for us is actually getting product to market. And at the same time, we're working on the well-being side of our business too, just to share, again, that essence of women looking good and feeling good while they're doing good. So you mentioned that before, the two parts, but yeah. a bit deeper on the well-being part. Yeah. look and feel? Like what does yeah. that mean? So, I mean, obviously, as a business, you know, selling scrubs is important because that's the kind of financial driver to make the business successful. However, it's it's also, we also want to distinguish ourselves as a brand to actually give something back. So, give back to those health professionals who've done so much. And this really came, I think, from COVID, mm. where I saw, in particular, my business partner, you know, going into the hospital every single day and just giving of herself selflessly And we really want to make sure that we can provide, you know, it's tips, it's sharing kind of experiences, giving people kind of understanding of what they can do to be the best version of themselves. I want to share some of my financial knowledge as well on, you know, budgeting and, and looking at, you know, how do you set yourself goals, financial goals, because sometimes in the health profession, they're really good at doing their jobs, but maybe not so good at looking after themselves holistically. So that's a really important part of our brand to distinguish ourselves in the market, not just to be a product provider, but to be a, you know, a for a purpose for profit business. Essentially giving back in that way and sort of you know, really developing brand around a real purpose, not just in namesake, but actually because of that that connection is incredibly important and very valuable, I would have thought, in, for yourself, like in terms of purpose and why you might be doing it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, getting into this business and again, you know, leveraging our strengths, we really wanted to make sure that, you know, when you put your own skin in the game, it needs to be more than just a transaction. It also needs to be a connection and connection is one of our values. So that for purpose part of our business is incredibly important. I was going to ask you about that later, but you've thrown it out there. What's what? What are the values of your business? Because I love these. Yeah. So courage is is one belief, and again, we're two female founders running a business for the first time. Integrity is really important. Connection. So connection again to community, to people and women in health, but also connection to breath. Because that is the essence of spiritum. So, you know, we want, again, our garments to be breathable, but to understand that breath drives human life. But the most important value that we have is sparkle. And it's so that, again, being your best version of yourself. So when you show up, you sparkle from the inside out. So our scrubs will help you sparkle externally, but we want you to sparkle internally. So there are our values. We could we could definitely all do with a bit of sparkle. Let's be honest. Yeah, sparkle. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, it's an obvious question, but given your background and and obviously stepping into small business, and this is yeah, this is a startup at this point. So yeah. in any startup, when there's just two of you, it's it's pretty hands on. What's that experience been like? You know, you I think coming out of a big corporate environment, you had lots of people who could actually go and do things for you. 
But now we know that everything to do with our startup is really our responsibility. So either we do it ourselves or we have to find somebody who can actually help us do it. So you really have to do it all. But don't forget that you have amazing connections in your life and potentially in your historical work. And don't be afraid to ask people for help because they are so willing to share their experiences and create connections for you so that you can also be successful. It's a steep learning curve. Like I've never manufactured, you know, I supported businesses in my banking role that were in the manufacturing space, but I don't think I really understood what it was really about until I got in there and had to start doing it myself. And so many questions, steep learning curve, and often two steps forward and one step back. So patience, resilience, and having a level of realistic optimism where you have positivity and belief, but you also need a reality check sometimes too. And, you know, you just have to go with it. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fascinating, completely different to anything I've ever done before. So in that, what, what's driven you to take on the self-employed startup adventure? It's not the only thing you're doing. It's something, you know, that you're, oh. one of the projects you're working on. But yeah, why? Like what, what's driven you that? I think, again, you know, when I left my corporate, when I, I haven't really left my corporate career, but when I stopped full-time work in the corporate sphere, I decided to take on a bit of a portfolio career anyway. So obviously I have my, my chair work that I do with the insurance company, but also, you know, I wanted to do something that was purposeful and that, you know, this whole kind of connection back to health. I think the business found me rather than me actually going and looking for it. My business partner is also a friend of mine and we've known each other for many, many years and we were talking about this kind of idea that she had, but she as a doctor didn't really know how to bring that to life with the kind of financial skills and business acumen and all those things you need. But she had the lived experience of being a doctor in the health industry. So we brought our skills together and leveraged that and found this kind of mutual purposeful thing we wanted to try and do. And that's how we got there. So it wasn't really stepping away from something. It was really stepping into something else. And I have to say, you know, people now who see me, who know me and have known me for decades, they see a different energy in me and in my connection to Spiritum because it is our business. This is something that we're creating. It's like a, it's like a child, you know, that needs to be nurtured, and and we love it. And I every day I learn something new, and I love I love being in this sort of space. I'm laughing. I'm sort of quietly laughing and smiling here, mainly because I mean, I guess I've I've known you more in you know our prior corporate life, if I can call it that. But in essence, it's that passion. It's it's always like you've always had a lot of passion for what you've done and the way you approach things and high energy. But when it's yours, that, that like I can clearly see a difference in the tone and the way that you engage yeah. with exactly this project, right? And there should be, as you said, you're putting a lot on the line. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, when I talk to searchers and and people that are considering, you know, entering the space of you know ETA or and and, and buying businesses, we often talk about that connection with passion to what they're going to do and what they're going to spend the next maybe five or 10 or 15 years of their life doing. You're doing this with other things, but certainly I can see that in the way you're talking about it. You're so right, Tom. And and this passion and connection is critically important in whatever you do. And particularly when you're running your own business, because 
it's hard, but it shouldn't be hard in the sense that, you know, you're you're kind of committed to it because you really want to make it successful and make a difference. Some of the process and the things you have to go to can be challenging, but it's all kind of made up, you know, for in this sort of passion and, you know, just doing the high fives and feeling like you're really kind of doing something in a space that you want to be in. So, and I know even when I left full-time corporate work and I was looking at opportunities, I turned many down because I couldn't find that passion and connection to the role or to the opportunity. Mm. And I said, look, you know, it's probably better for somebody else who's actually passionate about that and mm. I need to find what that is for me. Yeah. So Spiritum is that for me, but I, I would really encourage, you know, your your listeners to really dig deep and make sure that you do you can not only identify it but articulate what that means. Very good advice. We can't really sort of have a full conversation without talking about some of the obvious things that that you've had a lot of insight to over the years. I mean, running Australia's largest business bank, being the business bank in the market and also the biggest business within that business bank. What are your reflections on four plus years, or it was more than four years of running that business for Australia? Yeah. Well, I was 10 years in that business nationally, but I was 10 years in, in banking from small business up to larger businesses as well. So yeah, 10 years in that kind of space of supporting businesses grow and, and prosper. When I reflect on that, you know, I, I think, and, and some of these things really hold firm now in, you know, the corporate world that I'm still in, but also in my startup, is that relationships are critically important. So those connections, those people that are going to support you, banks, insurance companies, whatever it is, that kind of ecosystem that is you are surrounded by, those relationships are critical. Mm. And I've always said, you know, I spent the first half of my career in HR and in whatever business you're in, my, you know, my advice is to surround yourself with good, competent, committed, passionate people, leverage their strengths and leverage your strengths so that the collective actually makes you successful. Mm -hmm. So that whole kind of people to deliver for customers, I think is critical, even in a, you know, highly kind of digitized age. And I think the third thing is I thought I really understood businesses and I thought I really kind of got it. But I don't think I truly understood what it was like to run a business until I did. Hmm. And there's so much more to learn. Every day I learn and it never ends. And every day there are kind of ups and downs. But, you know, that opportunity to make a difference in your own business is just amazing. So I feel like I've kind of jumped to the other side. I'm now a customer as opposed to, you know, a banker delivering services to customers. So, and it's different. In, in that, we talk about obviously different size businesses having different needs and, and different engagements with their banks. But I guess if you had to sort of generalize, I mean, what would the, the key thing that you should be thinking about? But, you know, small, large, big, I guess the commonality across it all, but like what would be a key thing to think about in terms of yeah. in both sides of engaging or choosing a bank to engage with? Well, you know, as you, start a, as you start a business, you tend to bootstrap it. You tend to put your own kind of funds into the business to get it off the ground. But at some point, you're either going to have to raise capital or you're going to have to borrow money. And 
So, you know, if I think about that kind of relationship and choosing a banking partner, it's really making sure you understand how they operate because, you know, smaller businesses may actually be serviced and supported differently to larger businesses from a banking perspective. And so if you're in that kind of small to medium, you know, an established business that's actually operating and has been operating for a number of years, really getting to know your banker, understanding whether they have the authority to actually make lending decisions. It's called a delegated authority. Some bankers do because they've done the training. Some bankers don't, and then they rely on credit specialists to actually make those decisions about whether they should lend money, how much they should lend, over what term, all of those types of things. So no matter whether it's a banker or a credit specialist, you know, involved in that lending decision, I would encourage you to share and get them to come out and see your business, to Mm. see what you're doing, to understand you, not in the heat of the moment when you're looking to actually try and get funds, but when things are operating so that they have a much better understanding of, you know, what it is that you do so that they can make a more informed decision when you actually need funding. Absolutely. And I think if you, you've obviously, you know, at that stage of growing your business to a point that you probably needed to to get some funding. <laughs> yes. You've certainly, you know, been in banking a reasonable time. The banks do know who you are. How have you found that experience? Yeah. But I'm still a customer at the end of the day. And, you know, notwithstanding you know, I spent 16, 16 years of my life with NAB. I still go through the same process. And, you know, that, again, from a lending perspective, if I was going to go and borrow money, they would want to look at my credit history and, you know, my credit rating and see what I've done in the past. Mm. They'd want to look at, you know, the amount of debt versus the amount of income that's come, coming in so they can work out whether I have the capacity to service the loan. They want to know what funds have been contributed to the business by the owners. So what, you know, that bootstrapping bit at the beginning, how much skin in the game have you put financially? And then what are you going to use the loan for and how much do you need and what's happening in the current interest rate environment? We've seen over the last 12 months, you know, 12 successive rate rises and then, you know, what's going to happen in the future and if that environment continues to be volatile, do you have the capacity to service? And then finally, what security have you got? Because most loans, the banks will want personal assets as security or, you know, a home unless you go for an unsecured loan and your interest rate will be much higher if it's unsecured. So you kind of need to know these things and you might think they're just being nosy and asking you a whole lot of questions. They've done exactly the same for me. So 16 years at one organisation, but I had to go through and do a complete kind of, you know, asset and liability, open the kimono to the bank for myself and my business partner to get a pretty small loan. So, yeah, you know, you just need to understand that that's how they operate. And, you know, banks actually are full of really good people who do want to help, but I think we need to realise and understand that we're also dealing with a highly regulated industry in banking and there are rules and there's red tape and they have to follow process, which can be really um, frustrating. And, you know, we just have to exercise patience 
And really, full disclosure, the more that you can tell them and be completely honest about your financial situation will actually help you progress, you know, your loan application. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, You know, it, it is an option for many business owners to go and engage with banks. Yeah. Look, and, and they still represent, you know, the most efficient form of, of capital funding for yeah. most small businesses. And it's not to say and be dismissive of any of that sort of red tape, but I guess it's the human element that that the connection needs to be made at. And then ultimately, you know, from my perspective, as you were saying about connecting with the decisioner, you know, whether that's the person in front of you or the decisioner, which might be a bit faceless, understanding how that decision has got to be made. So I thought we'd then wander into sort of being a bit more, you know, the, the first time CEO style kind of, com, you know, experience that you've had, not only in the corporate sense, but also now being a, you know, a CEO of a, a startup. Yeah. What's that been like as a female, as a woman, the community, how that supported you or not, and what would you say about backing yourself in that in that you know all all of those worlds, <laughs> all those experiences? Absolutely. So yeah, I am a first time CEO, and you know the first thing that I would say is to understand and leverage your strengths. So really understand what it is that you bring to the business. And where are the gaps? So, for example, in my business, you know, I've got a background in financial services. I've got strong business acumen. I have marketing, people, you know, quite a broad kind of background. But technology is not really my thing, but it is my business partner's thing. So we divide and conquer and we leverage our strengths. So if you're a sole CEO, you may need to go looking for some of that capability but if you're in partnership or you have a co-founder then really just sit down and do that work and we did it from the very beginning so we understood that i I mentioned before our values and belief was one of our values and for us it was all about going in with the mindset of belief and our second value is courage and having the courage to actually have a go to have a go, to step into the abyss, to learn on the job, you know, to to really have that courageous mindset whilst being realistic. I think that's important. So it's sort of balancing that up. But, you know, women all often, you know, have or can have a bit of an imposter syndrome where, you know, they might say, well, I haven't done all of this before and how am I ever going to be successful? What I would say is that you have more capability than you're probably even aware of. So, you know, have a go. There's lots of information out there to help you and lots of people. And I, that's what I would say, you know, I, I found my networks personally and professionally have been incredible. And you go and meet someone and I have this little kind of saying, if I go and meet someone, so Tom, if I'm going to go and meet you and I, we're going to talk about technology and I need something else, I'll say, do you know anybody else who might be able to help me with this? And so I try never to leave a meeting without another referral of somebody to go and talk to. And I think that that's been really helpful for me because so many people then know somebody else and they are referring them to you because they have confidence in them. So I think that that's really important and that kind of curiosity and just openness to learn. And, And finally for me, and we did this before we sort of got started in earnest in our in our startup, is that 
we sat down and worked out how much capacity each one of us had. And when I say capacity, that's in time and in funds. So, you know, know what your limits are, know how much time you have to dedicate to the business and know much how much capital you can also contribute before you have to go and borrow money, for example, and set those guardrails for yourself. To say, okay, you know, what are those guardrails and how are we going to track our progress so that you're sort of managing your risk as you go along and you're not getting so caught up in the passion and the emotion that you're not stepping back and really assessing those criteria for success. So that would be the other thing that I would say. It's a really good thing to do. So, for example, my business partner works full time. Mm. So, you know, she does her spirit and work before work in the mornings and we meet on weekends and I've got the flex. I I have much more time capacity and we've set the business up that way so that I actually do more of the legwork because of my time capacity and she knows what she can do and we work that out. So, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to do so you don't get frustrated with each other. And also, I mean, I'm repeating, but... It's also about leveraging your strength, right? And so, yeah, capacity is a strength. Then, you know, ultimately, that's that's important to acknowledge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so sort of understanding that, and and the other thing, oh, one other thing that that I, you know, we were really grateful. We actually applied for a grant very early in our um in our journey, and we weren't successful, but we had done enough to explain what we were trying to do that we were given a coach, a business coach, and. We've been working with Danny for, gosh, the better part of two years now. Mm-hmm. And she's run her own business. So she has such incredible insight. But when the kind of free coaching ran out, you got to ask yourself the question, are you going to keep going with that? And there is a lot of funding out there through government in particular to fund coaching and development for new CEOs and startup owners. Yeah, okay. So um, we went and I applied for funding and I got funding to continue our coaching relationship with this fabulous woman who's run her own business and helped us get off the ground. So I'd yeah. encourage you just to look at that too, um, that there is funding out there for learning and development. And, and if it's not funding from an external perspective, I mean, you know, to your point, sh- network, shareholders, yeah. uh, you know, board structures, governance structures can also support those sorts of things. But I think, Absolutely. you know, so it's not an external, but not that there's in, that's that's also very beneficial, but you can also find those things in, in other yeah. ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, whatever works. And as I said, you talk to lots of people and connect into networks. Um, there's lots of networks around, but you've got to work out what works for you. And again, going back to capacity, how much time do you have? Well, Cindy, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And, and I appreciate, obviously, your time is pretty limited at the moment, doing lots of different things and, and juggling a few balls there. So, um, again, appreciate your your time and wise words. And I'm sure as we lead up to the ETA forum, this will be very useful for a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you once again. My pleasure. Thanks, Tom.